This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, uh, we're staring off into the distance for long durations of time while talking. As we continue our creep through the Carl Theodore Dreyer collection and watch Spines 127, Gertrude from 1963, and Spine 128, My Meter, directed by Torben Scott Jensen from 1995. But first, hey RJ, mm. happy second anniversary of the podcast, buddy. Don't do that, you old wash. You old <laughs> sucker. <laughs> you caught me off guard. I didn't think that's what you were going to say. Oh, and now I don't really know how to respond to uh, these allegations that you and me have been acquaintances for such a long time. In podcast form. Podcast form, no less. You know that all the other Chump Criterion podcasts didn't even make it two years? Mm-hmm. And they still have higher ratings than uh, our podcast does on the iTunes? What does that tell us? Hmm. That we are the premier global international Criterion podcast? Phenomena. Uh, Gotta throw that out there. Some may say. Some may say. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I regret all of it. I regret it all. I wish I had never started. That's always kind of how things wind up, isn't it? Well, for you and me, you always get me into situations that I wish I wasn't in, though. Mm -hmm. Like this one. Yeah, you and all your... Things. Uh. Hey RJ, uh, <laughs> any uh, any what? takeaways from this last weekend? From the weekend? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Oh. I think it was a pretty normal weekend. Wow. Today though, Jared, I feel fucking great. I'm really, I'm really feeling it today. I'm mm. high energy. Whoa. I'm doing fucking punches. <clears throat> I'm amped up. Really? I feel good. Why? Uh, I could save it for the news portion. Ooh. Or is that a teaser, or should I just tell you? Because only, like, one person will be interested in this. Well, save save it, save person. it, save it. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, listen, tune in in an hour and a half, maybe, <laughs> for the news portion, and I'll, I'll fill you in on why I'm so jacked up today. Okay. All right, all right. What about you, horn dog? How's life in the comic <laughs> store? Are you ready to go back to uh, the university in a couple weeks? I'm looking forward to the, uh, looking forward to that paycheck. When do you go back in uh, th- three weeks, four weeks? Uh, one, two, one, two, th- four. Month ago. Four weeks. What are you gonna do with your life until then? Anything productive? Uh, I'm gonna um, play D and D on Sundays. DBZ? Did you say? D and D, the real deal. That's not a school. Yeah. Not as cool. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. That's all my. Get, that's all my plans are, man. I don't. Yeah. Uh, you know. I think you need to get up to my level. You know what's annoying though? House what? hunting. It's bullshit. Did you? Do you have a realtor yet? No. Okay. Well, I want people in the world out here to understand that uh, I uh, suggested to you a realtor. Someone pretty close to me. He's my brother. <laughs> and uh, you chose to ignore that uh, suggestion, and it's your own fault. Because I-, I think, Jared, if you had chosen him, you would be in a house by now. Well, no. 
that would that would have been impossible. But uh, I think Jared, I, 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 it would have been in the house by now. <laughs> would have your brother helped us uh, rob a bank, get our uh, get our income together? Get all he our... maybe uh, he would show you how to rub two nickels together, and uh, you know make it all count. Okay. Well, you know, it's it's still up in the air that that aspect. The mm-hmm. who's going to get that free money? Free money, eh? Well, yeah. we're going to be overflowing with money in this country soon because all that Saudi money is pulling out right now. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be just brimming with uh, surplus uh, finance here. That's right. Only people in Canada might understand that joke, and probably they won't even really in- like it either. So right. Anyways, hey, do we got any mail? No. We don't? Absolutely none. I thought you had one saved up, or is that for the uh, second portion of the uh, pod? No, I guess I got that one. That one. Is it supposed to be read at this portion of the show, or is it supposed to be read during the review? I guess I could read it now. Um, well, I don't want to pressure you. Is it is it more apt to be in the review portion? <laughs> no, I could work now. Um well, you, you do whatever you feel like. Yeah. I got lots to talk about today, one, so one, it's one, on you. One, one of our regular emailers uh, had asked uh, if I if I had been able to source this film, meaning, hey, is this online? Is there, like, a mm-hmm. way to actually watch this, like, where it's just, like, mm. watching it online? And there sure as fuck isn't. Like, it isn't anywhere. This My Meter, this documentary from 1995 owned by, like, some – Danish film company it's just not around so you have to like either like get a copy of it from the library because mm-hmm. it's not through the traditional sources uh, that one would illicitly gain these things mm-hmm. um, and so yeah uh, emailer here uh, Oliver uh, to, to out <gasps> don't him. incriminate him <laughs> hey he's, he wants to follow along so he wrote yeah most stuff I watch on Filmstruck then a couple uh, downloads once in a while we've all been there a lot of stuff's on YouTube too mm-hmm. some of those mm-hmm. public domainers on one hand I'm a completist so this is annoying on the other this director is boring as fuck so I don't want to watch a doc about him unpopular nice. opinion one hit wonder with Passion of Joan of Arc this trilogy feels like shit tier Bergman Wow! Nice, sick nice. burn. I like it. I like. I like. Yeah, I, I, like I like this passion. This heat. I want to see maybe more. Re- of it. Maybe read that again during the uh, the review portion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see if anyone listens to both halves. If you listen to both parts of this yeah. preamble and review, you can uh, let us know hey, and in the back end. And if you're listening to this and you live in California, uh, say hi. Let, let us know who you are because I see you, listeners. You mysterious hey. Californian fires. Hmm. Mm. Hey, doesn't Oliver live in uh, New Zealand? Yeah. And he gets filmstruck? Yeah. I Why the fuck so. don't we have filmstruck in Canada? What is this horseshit? Well, maybe he's got like those uh, those proxies and those VPNs. I doubt it. He seems like a stand-up guy. Yeah. Well, hey, stand-up people do those things too. We're, I've we, never we, done we anything live, like we, that. We, we, we live in a world that's just pulling itself apart. There's people who like to signal that they would never do these things and then turn around and do those very things themselves. So I, I throw no shade that way. Whatever, man. It's all about just mm. being able to watch stuff. Who cares? If someone wants to, like, fucking pirate our goddamn podcast, go for it. It's fucking free. Do you know that people do that? That they like pirate podcasts, and they like not not our podcast. Though, no, because right? yeah, because oh, okay. we're worthless. So why? There's no yeah. there's no value in that. But okay. like, what value is there in this this medium? 
outside of ads. Well, what podcast do you have to pay for? Uh, why, why, why do you pirate them? Like where? where there's like what? there are there's like ones that are like behind paywalls and for exclusives for members. Like Patreon only. Yeah, Patreon exclusive episodes, which, mm-hmm. you know, I guess we could bust out and make them for like, you know, all four of our Patreons. Patreons. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out one time. Yeah. If, if people make Patreon donations, we can set a tier on there or something, and I'll give you my personal Snapchat. And once a day, I'll, I'll make a group for all these Patreon people, and once a day, I'll send you a picture of my underpants. Or, you know, just me eating something phallic, like a hot dog or a... Phallic. Yeah, that's how you say that word. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, just right. a picture of me smiling. I'll send you a picture of me once a day, and it could include things such as meeting a phallic object. <laughs> stop like a saying... Hot dog. Oh, God, stop saying that. Oh, my God. My underpants... Now, now I know. Now I know how listeners feel when they hear me mispronounce words. Well, you know, some people say you and me are pretty phallic. Oh my god! So, anyways, oh. I'm just I'm putting it out there. If people uh, want to get on that Patreon uh, train, uh, this benefits me in no way because I have no access to these funds. So I'm just throwing that out there right now. This is entirely on Jared's end. So if you want to hit it, hit it up there. I'll. I'll get, I'll get I'll get you on uh, a picture of me once a day. Yeah, you get that patented Baylog butt crack. Ooh, actually, Andrea has a surplus of pictures like that. She's got, she actually like she has so many pictures of my butt crack hanging out, and she just sends them to like my brother, and uh, you know just keeps them for her own perusal. But you know, Felix. Nope. Yep. Here, here, Jay. Happy second Bye. anniversary. Um, <laughs> what, what you been creeping on? All sorts of good shit. All sorts. I finished off my DBZ run. I just want to say that. Cool. Because uh, I'm officially caught up. There's like other things in there, but they're not real movies, so I'm not going to watch those. Uh, I watched another Broly movie, and it sucked ass. <laughs> uh, it was kind of cool, but this is... So Dragon Ball Z is like a thing that I always thought was like comfortable and safe, and you always knew what was happening. Like sometimes some serious shit went down, but you always knew you'd be okay. In uh, the third Broly movie, they kill a dog, and I was like, what the fuck, Dragon Ball Z? I was like, you've never done shit like that. They, like, melt a dog because Broly's, like, a muck monster, and I was just like, oh, Jesus. It's not good. Anyways, and then there was another one, the last one, which was fine, but uh, I watched one called Fusion Reborn, and I'll just talk about that really quick. Uh, I actually thought that was pretty fun. Um, You get, like, a Majin Buu-type character that can just, like, do anything, and uh, you get some cool fight scenes with him and uh, Goku, Vegeta, you know. Uh, but then on the other side, uh, the dead have been resurrected on Earth. And you get Goten and Trunks, and they're fighting uh, Hitler and his SS army of uh, ghosts. And they're running through town. And uh, you get a really funny scene where he, Hitler sees them go Super Saiyan, where they have blonde hair and blue eyes. And he goes, oi vey. Because it's exactly what he wanted. Uh, I thought it was really funny. I could see uh, that not working on other people. But whatever. Hmm. I was there for a good time. Yeah. Not a long time. Anyways, uh, I watched a Netflix movie this week, Jared. Oh, you know what I want to talk about before? A Netflix movie starring Kelsey Grammer, Beast, from the X-Men movies. Uh, Have you, you know that show Castle Rock? That Stephen King show? Yep. Did you do you have any interest in that? None. None. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm fully caught up on that thing. Uh, Wait, they air on Wednesday. See, that 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 tells you where I'm at because I didn't even know that it was out. 
Well, so it's it's on Hulu, and they did a thing where I think they put out like two or three episodes at once. And today it'll always air on Wednesdays when we record. And today episode five is airing, so I'll probably watch it after the show. But um, so I'm watching Castle Rock. People know I'm a big Stephen King fan. Uh, I hear it will be an anthology series where each season covers a different story. Uh, I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's like, it's not like the terror where I was like, Ooh man, you got to watch this or like Atlanta where I was like, Ooh shit, this is high quality television. Um, it's good. I think if you're like a Stephen King fan or if you like not horror, but like thriller suspense stuff. Uh, it's pretty good. I think it, it's the best way to showcase or to like translate his writing into uh, into something else. Because like I think like a miniseries is the best way to get his stories across. Because he, he's verbose, man. He gets a lot of words out there. And uh, sometimes a two-hour movie just doesn't cut it. So it's nothing like it's no real story that he did. It's just kind of like a spinoff from his from his story so um takes place in castle rock and shawshank prison is a big se- uh, setting and one day they find a kid in the basement a shawshank and he's been there forever and then you get introduced to the other characters that live in the town and they all kind of have like a secrets and things like that um it's good it's not like i thought it was gonna be really heavy on the stephen king uh, easter eggs uh, and it's not, and I think that's probably better. I think if you wanted to, you could look for him there, but uh, I think it's better just to, you know, stay fresh, not worry about it too much. It's okay. I like it. So that's my uh, hot recommendation, Jarrett. Hmm. So it's uh, doing a little better than the last, like, dozen Stephen King shows that came out, and everyone went, eh. Well, I hear Mr. Mercedes is pretty good, and I watched a couple of them, and I liked it, but... Uh, I don't know what it was. I guess I just wasn't that into it. But uh, there was like, what? Well, what do we have? We had that eleven twenty two sixty three HBO. Well, I watched series, all that. That was watched. only like six episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had the Mist on Netflix that just uh, that one came and went. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some other stuff. There was I a think eleven twenty two did not bad. It was yeah. just a. It was a short run. It was done. That mm-hmm. is it. Under the Dome from a while Ooh, ago. That one now. was really bad. That was uh, brought to us by your buddy, Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Whew. That one that one was really bad, and I actually really enjoyed that book. But, uh, no, I don't know. This thing's good. It's, it's, like I said, it's not actually covering any of his stories, but it has some characters and some uh, some overlap and things like that. So, pretty good. I like it. Try it out. <laughs> hey, uh, I watched a different movie what starring... Kelsey Grammer, you know him as Beast from the <laughs> Frasier series. Yeah. Uh, I watched this movie called Like Father. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, I believe it is maybe written or produced by Seth Rogen's wife. I can't remember. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I think it's maybe written or produced by Seth Rogen's wife. Uh, Seth Rogen is in it for a hot minute. Uh, it stars Kristen Bell and Kelsey Grammer. Kristen Belger, she's a girl who works too much. She's very work-driven. She's motivated. She's educated. She's determined to get things done. She wants that promotion, man. She's reaching for the stars. Does someone's uh, dad come back? It's her dad, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. But so the movie opens. It's uh, Kristen Bell's wedding day, 
And uh, she gets uh, left at the altar by the groom because he's like, you know what? You work too much. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. And uh, she leaves him. Uh, Kelsey Grammer is in attendance. He is Kristen Bell's father, uh, long lost father, I guess. And what follows is they meet up, they go for drinks, they get real drunk. You find out that he's been gone for about 20 years. He kind of abandoned the family and he just decided to come back. And uh, they get really drunk and then they go on uh, the would-be couple's honeymoon together. They go on a cruise and they wake up the next morning and they realize, holy shit, we're, we're on a cruise. So it's a movie about discovery, Jarrett, a movie about healing, about love, about relationships, about uh, pain and anguish. Um, did I did I even say what this movie is called? It's called Like Father. Yeah, you did. Okay. Uh, this movie is not bad. It's pretty good. Yeah, this was an Andy pick, as I'm sure you could tell. Um, it was nice, easy watching. It had a few serious parts. It had a few comedic parts. Uh, I think it was a really good ad for like one specific cruise line. I don't know what the cruise line was, but it was like a it was basically two hours of showing what you could do on these cruises. But at the same time, uh, this movie. Uh, reaffirms my belief that I would absolutely never want to go on a cruise because I think I would be just just horribly miserable on those things. They have unlimited booze and water slides and like buffets, which I love. But uh, I feel like being out in the like it's like why go on a boat to get all that stuff? Just just do it at home. Yeah, <laughs> just do it. Well, you 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 know, I don't know. I I, I get motion sickness. I don't want to go on a cruise. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a good reason not to. Yeah. So, uh, like Father, it was uh, it was not bad. I could see Chanel watching this sometime. That's pretty sexist. Uh, why? Because I think your girlfriend uh, is here for a good time and not a long time. So have a good time. And the sun will shine. Oh, hey. hey. How's that song go? Oh. So, you know what else I watched this week, Jerry? What, what RJ? I, for some reason, I was really uh, hankering for uh, Men in Black. I don't really know why. I, I just well, aliens. Well, aliens. Uh, so where it started actually was I was I just Googled aliens on Google Images for uh, the Instagram because I like to put pictures of aliens out there sometimes just so people know that they're real and they exist. And uh, I saw a couple pictures of from Men in Black, and I was like, oh yeah, I was like those are good movies. And then uh, I really thought about it, and I was like, oh, man, those are real good movies. So I started sending Andrea pictures of Men in Black, and she's like, why are you sending me pictures of Men in Black? I was like, I don't know. I think I really want to watch that movie. Do you want to watch those with me? And she's like, yeah, I do. I was like, nice. Uh, So I love uh, Men in Black. I've only ever seen the first two. This week, we will watch MIB 3 together. That'll be a brave new world, but uh, I love the two men in black movies. I watched them a lot as a little kid on VHS. Uh, they were totally my jam. They had aliens, they had comedy, they had some serious shit. People were getting blown up. I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, I really liked the guy who made these movies, Barry, uh, Sonnenfeld. Like uh, he did the Adams family movies and wild, wild west and get shorty. Mm-hmm. And also that movie, uh, nine lives where Kevin Spacey plays a cat. So, uh, this dude's pretty, Pretty, uh, he's batting at a thousand, I yeah, think. He's pretty talented. He's pretty talented. Uh, so we watched both Men in Black and Men in Black 2. 
Uh, Men in Black 1, I think it's it's 21 years old now, and I think it holds up incredibly well uh, for a few good reasons. Um, Rick Baker did all the practical effects here. He's that guy who did, like, werewolf effects, and, you know, you Google him. He did, he did all sorts of stuff. Um, but he designed all the aliens, and there's actually a lot of practical effects in this movie. I think it's, like, 80% where he would do the makeup and stuff like that on the aliens and i think uh i think all of his designs are just awesome like all of his makeup and things like that he has a few like really unique um characters and i don't know i love it i think they all look super cool and he did a really good job and now 21 years later i think they all still look really good uh there's a little bit of cgi in this and uh it doesn't look terrible uh which i think is probably a huge uh mark for this movie because there's some cgi that's only like a couple years old and you're just like ugh, you're like this looks horrible but for being over 20 years old and you're like oh it's not bad actually like i'm i mean it's not flawless but you know who is not me not you um and i think men in black is really like it's really funny and uh like it's genuinely funny it's got some good action uh the plot is good, I think. And it's got good attention to detail. Like in uh, the first one, uh, the big bad guy is that huge bug. And so like every scene has like bug stuff in it. Like so like he'll go to a vendor and he'll be like, where's this thing? And uh, he gets mad and he knocks over a table. But the table he knocks over is like all fly swatters and bug spray and stuff like that. And that's the whole movie. There's always like little bug references everywhere, which I think is really good. Uh, I forgot to mention... Uh, the bad guy is uh, your buddy from Full Metal Jacket, you know, from uh, Bagul, Vincent mm-hmm. D'Onofrio. Uh, I think his makeup uh, in Men in Black is so good because, like, his, like, stretchy, saggy skin, it's, it's awesome. So good. Men in Black's an A-plus movie, Jared. A-plus. Were you aware that Men in Black was based on a comic book? Okay, so I have I have something to say about that. Yeah, please do. Uh, so Men in Black 1, it states that it is based on the Marvel comic. Men in Black 2 says based on the Malibu comic. Yeah. So I'm not really sure who to believe. Men in Black 1 or Men in Black 2? Uh, they're both right. So is Malibu owned by Marvel? Marvel? Oh, okay. So it's a Malibu comic. Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, Men in Black 1, all-time banger. It's awesome. Men in Black 2, this one's totally my jam, Jared. Uh, as a pudgy little kid, 12-year-old, who loved aliens and watched a lot of movies and ate a lot of candy, Men in Black 2 was my, just my everything. Uh, this movie's got really heavy Burger King uh, endorsements. Mm-hmm. I think you can see Burger King six times in this movie. Uh, there's one in MIB headquarters, which I think is really funny. Uh, and then there's a lot of scenes where there's characters just eating Burger King. And I, I fucking love that. I still have a toy here. It's in my office. I, I could show you, but I won't because this is a podcast and people can't see. It's a little alien saucer and it's like a whistle thing and you blow into it and it like winds up the thing and you put it on the table and it spins. I got that from Burger King from Men in Black too. It's good stuff. So uh, uh, th- you, you feel the same about this movie as a pudgy kid, as a pudgy man? Yeah, I think this movie rules. I think this movie holds up really well. Uh, again, it's really, it's actually genuinely funny. It's got good action. I like the story. 
It's nothing too complicated, but it's believable. It's not like, eh, this is dumb. Uh, it's got your girl, Laura Flynn Boyle, from Twin Peaks in here, and uh, negligee and uh, lace and all that stuff. So I know a horn dog Jarrett would be really into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie's really good. I, I think I like this one more than two, probably just because I've seen it more, more than when I was a one. Or... I mean, more than one, yeah. yeah. I like two more than one just because as a kid, I watched it uh, a lot more. It's got Johnny Knoxville in there. He's really funny. Putty from uh, Seinfeld. He's real funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's got it's got good jokes, man. If you watch this thing and you actually pay attention to it, I think you would be uh, surprised at how funny it actually is. It's. I think it'd be easy to get like drift away watching it, like go to your phone or do this or that. But if you watch it and you pay attention, it's got some it's got some pretty killer jokes. Pretty killer jokes. Well, I know that I've seen uh, Men in Black, uh, and I definitely saw that in theater, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen any of the subsequent movies. So you've never seen Men in Black 2? No, or 3. Well, I've never seen 3 either. Uh, We will watch it this week, I I assure you. Oh, one thing that was annoying, we watched these all on Amazon Prime, and Amazon Prime is such a joke that it didn't have subtitles for the aliens talking, which in two, there are none. But in one, there is a substantial amount of aliens talking to each other where there's supposed to be subtitles, and you just can't put them on. They have an option for subtitles, but when you click English subtitles, it puts up text for when English text for when characters are speaking English. That's so weird. I, I would which assume doesn't that, make any sense. I would assume that the English subtitles for the aliens would just be burnt into the movie. Yeah, you would assume that. Yeah. But Amazon Prime is this shitty thing that doesn't make any sense. That so, people still pay the money for, to do. Yeah, well, I don't do it for Prime Video. I do it for just Prime. And plus, I'm, I have a student account. So it's like, uh, I think it's only $30 a year or something. So I, I buy a lot of stuff on Amazon, like just household things. It's worth it to me. Man. Uh, uh, come on, shop local, you son of a bitch. No, I'm running them all down. No, I don't get it. Like, I just get stuff that you would buy at, like, Walmart on Amazon. You know, toilet bowl <laughs> cleaner, toilet bowl, uh, sticky things, uh, toilet brushes, toilet seat covers, uh, toilets. Right. So, you know, just and not not anything, not anything you could get at a local store. But anyways, Men in Black 2 is super good. It's got some Michael Jackson jokes in there, which I think are real funny. Um, you should watch all the Men in Black movies. <laughs> are you laughing? Uh, this is not going to happen. <laughs> it's not a joke, yeah, friend. I know. Okay, well, that'll be a Patreon goal. Get Jared to watch Men in Black 2. Yeah, right when I start watching hey- those uh, fucking Marvel movies. Hey, you know what? It took me a long time of uh, coming to terms with you had never seen Bad Boys 2. So uh, Men in Black 2, I think, is infinitely better than Bad Boys 2. I think you could do it. You could. I think you would enjoy it, too. Oh, man. Will so that's Smith. what I watched this. Will what about Smith. Will Smith? Will Smith. Yeah, but Tommy Lee Jones, though. Laura Flynn Boyle, your girl, in, uh, like, underpants for an entire movie. Tony Shalhoub, David Cross, come on. So much fun. It's so much fun, Jared. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about this Burger King, though. It's not over the top, but there is a lot of Burger King in this movie. Yeah. 
Just fucking watch it. No. Yeah. Can you either watch Men in Black 2 or iRobot? I've already seen iRobot. Yeah, but those are your choices. No. What about there's, Wild Wild there's, West? There's gotta, be a, there's gotta be a third way. Okay, you should watch a Barry Sonnefield movie. Uh, what about Wild Wild West? No. What about RV with Robin Williams, which was fil- filmed in our very town? <laughs> there's a better chance of me watching RV for that very reason than Mib 2. What about uh, The Adams Family? Oh, I like The Adams Family. Yeah. Yeah, I knew you would like that Adams Family. Especially that Adams Family rap. Not that. Yeah. Hey, uh, they do do what they want to do. Adam's family was written by Carolyn Thompson, who also wrote Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas, Homeward Bound, and that movie that we both know is really going to suck. Welcome to Marwin. Oh no. Anyways, that's all I watched, Jarrett. I really. If you don't watch Men in Black 2, I'm going to quit the podcast. So it's up to you. Hmm. That's my out, huh? Yeah. I know you've wanted to quit this for like three months already, but uh, th- that's the way it's going to be, pal. <laughs> so uh, did you watch anything? Or are you still in your weird, uh, I don't mm. watch movies anymore, man? I'm still in that kind of uh, funk, but I, I did watch yeah. one documentary. Uh, uh, it's one that like I totally forgot about that came out back in the 2000s that had been kind of on my radar. Uh, some good old fashioned sad bastardry. Uh, ooh. it's a little film called Darken. What's that about? It is about LARPers. Oh, you nerd. Yeah. So, uh, as, as I've mentioned on this podcast, uh, on Sunday nights I've been playing D&D. Uh, and I've been enjoying that a great deal. Uh, Nerd. Yeah, I I really, really enjoy myself some uh, RPGs. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if there's like uh, some good documentaries I haven't seen already about RPG stuff. Because there's a line that one must draw, I feel, uh, when it comes to this stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, one of those lines is definitely like, you know, it's a concrete barrier uh, of like LARPing, live action role-playing. That is just something that is just like, no, that's not not going to be me. So I'm going to watch a documentary about these people. So I watched Darken. Mm-hmm. Uh, this covers uh, a group uh, that p- plays out of Baltimore. And this tells like the story of their group over the course of like a year of like one of their campaigns, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just kind of everything you would expect. It's a lot of like people who are... Um, kind of pretty well self-aware of like the fact that what they're doing is kind of like dorky as fuck. But at the same time, they've all found these like this, the actually they've all found the exact uh, same justification for like this intellectual aspect of what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. it's like the fact that they are, they're all giving the exact same answer over and over and over again tells me that they just have talked about this and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's why we do this. Yeah. It's an expression. It's like our lives are so dreary, but this gives us an escape. And the, every single person does this, but I'm like, well, all of you know, you have like a dreary, horrible, shitty, like life. Why don't you do something about it then? Like, Mm-hmm. This 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 doesn't do anything about it. This is just like 
uh, a solve. I guess it's just it's easier not to though, Jared. It it I guess. Always remember that. Yeah. Why but, don't people do stuff? It's easier not to. Pretty much. There's like lines where a guy like has to like go through the, these hoops of explaining at the end how you know the you know I guess in the end I'm just a stay at home dad and he's trying to like come up with these just explain how he's doing all these things but he's not and then there's this footage of him mostly you know doing laundry putting up the Christmas tree. And uh, working on his chainmail and putting his armor together as he's the leader of the free nation of blah, blah, blah. And he'll be fighting against another guy who's like into making big million dollar deals. But he also runs around in a field in the middle of nowhere and in fake armor with plastic foam armor and weapons. And they just swat each other. <laughs> um, mm. Yep. Um. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I got nothing. It's self, it's self-explanatory this type of thing. What's funny is uh if you look at all four of the posters of these movies I've watched, uh all these dryers mm-hmm. and darken, darken fits like right in. It looks like it could be a uh a Carl Theodore dryer movie. You just uh comparing all th- four of them together. It's got that strong horizon mm-hmm. line, a dramatic heroic figure. A la Ordette. Mm. I don't know. Um the Darken Wargaming Club. So I don't know, so, RJ. Have you ever uh, have you ever dabbled in any LARPing? Hmm? You seem no. You, know, you don't strike me as the type of guy that would. But uh, no, Jared. I went to parties when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm what you would call hyper popular, super cool, slaying uh, puss left and right. Yeah, the ultimate man. Uh, so I had no time for such things as LARP or, yeah. you know, anything that you would be involved in. I had nothing like that. So this, no, this, this shit's well beyond me. This is, uh, mm. I, this was never, this is not cool to my eyes. There's really no, there's no one that'll ever convince me that this is actually, it's pretty neat to like put yourself essentially in blackface, but call yourself a drow. I'm a dark elf and uh, I have silver wigs. Um, that is just mm-hmm. not not gonna fly. <laughs> well, Jared, are you saying that you don't you don't identify as a dark elf? I don't. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of like I don't know furries and stuff. You know, I I, um... I find that that stuff. I'm waiting for the day where, uh, in terms of like identity politics. We'll, we'll be forced one day to be like, you know what? I think it's okay to be a furry. And that's kind of my line. <laughs> that That's kind of where I go, no. Because the thing that blows it out of the water is that there's the people who think, I, I identify as a dragon. And dragons don't exist. Only if you don't believe. They, they don't exist. Only. Sean Connery dragon doesn't exist. Well, he was the last one, though, Jared. Benedict Cumberbatch is as Smog the Dragon. That one doesn't count. I liked your first one. Stick with uh, yeah, Sean Connery, Dragonheart. Yeah, it's it's, Dragon. it's it's appropriately '90s. Yeah, you know what would be fun though? It'd be cool if instead of uh, Dennis Quaid, if Randy Quaid had been in that movie. Yeah. Do um, you like Randy Quaid? He's decent. Yeah. Until he went crazy. Well, people are out to get him. It's not his fault. Yeah, the Whackers. Yeah, the Whackers. We haven't talked about them for a while. No, that's kind of died off. 
Now, now we're too deep into QAnon and deep statery and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't want anything to do with that, though. Um, anyway, yeah. So I, I think, like, I know in uh, our, our fair town here, uh, there was definitely some people who were doing some LARPing in the coolies. Uh, mm. wandering around there in the river bottom and uh, hunting vampires and ghosts and such. Like, just to me, like, there's not a big jump from, like, being a LARPer to being a paranormal investigator. And, like, that's, like, mm. like a real put-on as well. Because essentially it's like, well, these people, they, they could be talk this shit and they have, like, oh, I, got, I spend all this money on devices and uh, we're going to, like, mm. get some readings. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's the same idea. And I don't know. This is, like, even dorkier than that, I suppose. I guess like the wargaming people, though, they're not fantasy. They're not like doing, they're not throwing lightning bolts in the, in the form of like tin balls or anything like that that I've seen. But then mm-hmm. there's, then but then there's dark elves. Um, and like talk of like buying potions at the, in the dark um, because that's, that's in character. Um, and then they cut to these people living their day-to-day lives, sitting on sofas, talking about how they work at fabric stores and like, just like, they're very, very aware of the, mm-hmm. the, the, their situation and they all talk about it. So you're like, well, they're intelligent enough to be aware that this is like kind of weird and kind of niche. So I, I guess that's great. But at the same time, I wish that they maybe were more delusional <laughs> because then it would be like, it would make sense to me because how can you be like fairly aware that this is like extremely mm, dorky and kind of a waste of time like doing a podcast about the criterion collection i guess but like Mm. you keep on doing it and uh i don't know for now yeah for now (laughs) we'll see how long that lasts though that's right all i know jerry yep is that we're both gonna die one day that's right. But this podcast will live forever. That's right. As long as there's internet and SoundCloud and RSS feeds. Yeah. Well, the thing about that, though, Jared, is... Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing anymore? I don't know. Hey, RJ. What? That, that's all I watch. You got, got any, cool. you got any news? I got some news for you, baby. What, what had you so pumped up at the beginning of this episode? You you want to know why I was so pumped up? It's got nothing to do with movies, Jared. Yeah. It's got everything to do with Nintendo. Oh, my God. Oh, well, okay. I've, I've mentioned it once or twice. Okay. So, anyways, uh, I'm a big fan of Super Smash Bros. We used to play that shit so much. Uh, I, I borrowed the Wii from this kid in high school, this guy who was like a neighbor of ours who was a friend, and we played that thing so much it would overheat, and we would have to put it in the freezer to cool it down. Because uh, we gamed it so much. After about an hour, it would, it would it would run hot. We'd have to cool it down. But we were so into smashing, dude. We just had to play. So forever, I have always, I have always wanted two characters in Smash. Uh, if astute listeners could go to my Twitter page and go years and years back, I have been talking about this for years and years. And even uh, the last Super Smash Bros. game a couple years ago, they did a vote. And you could vote for what characters you wanted in Smash. And I uh, I chose my votes wisely. I did the two that I wanted. And then I would put in people like Hank Hill and, uh, you know, Shrek, stuff like that. But there's two that I was actually very serious about. One of them was uh, from the Castlevania franchise, Mr. Simon Belmont, who I always thought 
was the best, most logical character to be in those games because he's a uh, he used to be uh, a big it used to be a big franchise for Nintendo. I know it's a Konami thing, but yeah, uh, I was gonna say. I mean, his, <laughs> his, yeah, I know it's a Konami thing, but uh, I think the character, his dynamics and his like attacks and stuff are so suited for Smash Bros. The whipping, the crosses, the holy water, all that stuff. I was always like, he's got to be in there. But there is one character, Jared, that I have always wanted my entire life. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, we didn't own a lot of games, but we owned uh, one series, and it was my absolute favorite. I loved the Donkey Kong Country games. Donkey Kong Country, Diddy, Diddy's Conquest, you know, and DK3, the lesser of all of them. Uh, I loved those games. I played them so many times. I got all the secrets and all the tricks. Uh, buddy, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel used to, when he would watch me play, he said, I'd do this thing called the controller flex where I'd be, cause those games are high intense or like high stress, Jared. They're intense. I would always like squish the controller together and it would like squeak because I was so nervous, you know, but you got to make those jumps. It's a high octane platformer anyways the one character that's always been missing that they announced today was uh mr king k rule the big baddie Ooh. from the dk series the leader of the kremlins uh and i uh, was so pumped when i saw this news today i'm not even kidding i was doing air karate for about 20 minutes i wanted to go downtown and fight some uh fight some people that were smaller than me i was i was amped up jared uh, but anyways, King K rules in there. I'm pretty pretty stoked. So uh, I know other friend of the show, Lawrence. Uh, he one time had a switch. I wonder if he still does. He does. Maybe he'll get. Does he still play it? Uh, from time to time. He should just give it to me so I can play Smash. <laughs> Free of charge. Well, I'll endorse his uh, Burger King on the podcast. His his lifestyle. Yeah. Does he still listen to this podcast? I, th- I believe he does. Well, now he's going to hear it. But anyways, King K. Rule, I was pretty jacked. It's got nothing to do with movies, but there you go. What about your news, friend? Are you going to talk about the Oscars, or uh, what are you going to talk yeah, about here? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk about those Oscars. Okay. So today, I was at work. Busy day. Getting getting comics ready, because they were late because of the holiday. And it was just a long stream of people coming through, buying their uh, their nerd shit. Because that's what I do. Yeah. I, deal, I deal with that nerd shit. I buy that nerd shit. I get it. I looked over at my iPod, you know, just casually a glance to see, uh, see if anyone's messaged me, see what I'm missing out on. And uh, sure enough, a friend of mine mm-hmm. had sent me along some news uh, about the Oscars. And he made some comment about how uh, um, Marvel's finally going to get their Oscar. And I went, why? And then I saw, oh, Oscars uh, are opening up a new category for uh, achievements in popular film. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's great. Um, what does that mean, Jer? I don't know because they're still going to – they have to suss it out. But I guess like starting mm-hmm. as soon as next year, the, the the new category is going to be for Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film. So it's kind of like the other best picture film. And I guess it's a way for them to get like yeah. the serious-minded dramas into one area. And then but at the same time, he's like, hey, here's your MTV uh, Teen Choice Award pick. <laughs> yeah. Well – 
Hey, <laughs> I mean, we all know Black Panther wasn't going to win Best Picture of the Year, but uh, we don't want to uh, poo-poo it as it's this great achievement. It made $700 million and reached out to the Afro-American audience. And, the white uh, now? The, exactly. Uh, uh-huh. So this is what the award's going to be. It's going to be, it's bullshit. It's fucking stupid. The Oscars are crap. Um, here we are yep. talking about them, talking about them, giving them exposure because that's all American film industry is about is talking about this shit. Um, and now it's like, well, now we can get like another Oscar little sticker saying this movie won this blah, 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 fake award. And yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be there for Disney. And like that's, well, and, and, and I'm sure Denny Villeneuve's Dune will get one. And like, it's just going to be. Whatever The Rock is in. Nah, I don't. He's got to be in better movies to get that award. I'm thinking it's got. It's mm. like it's like that middle brow genre movie award. That's what it's going to be. I think uh, between the onions, there uh, they're saying that ABC was a, a big communicator with the Oscars because they were talking about the ratings. The ratings have been down and down, and ABC was like, "Hey, why don't you put a pop a uh, pop movie thing in there?" Uh, but ABC is also owned by Disney. Mm. So, Disney, give those Marvel movies an Oscar. That's what they want. Okay, well, what do you think? Call it right now. Is it going to be Black Panther or is it going to be Infinity War? Black Panther. You think so? Yeah. So it can appeal to, what was that that you said? Oh, I, I believe uh, the terminology that I could imagine being in thrown around in a Oscars meeting would be, mm-hmm. oh, we have to deal with this Afro-American concern. Like this is the world that they live in, and they or they say or they say urban, the urban viewer, and you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, all right, this is yeah. this is gross, um, because it's like there's this whole idea uh, about like, well, hey, Black Panther could get nominated for like Best Picture, even though it's like it's actually not a very good movie. Like, have you seen that movie? I have not seen that movie, but like, oh. I, I, it seems like that the interest of that movie has really started to drop off, and it seems like it was more about like the movie to go to for like this window of time rather than it was like any actually being any good. Yeah. I remember watching like uh like some GIF of that movie, and I was like watching it, and I went, "This looks like shit. This looks like it was shot in front of a green screen. The the light it looks like a YouTube fan movie, and this mm-hmm. this motherfucker made seven hundred million dollars." This is ridiculous. That's like been my experience of that movie. I, I just don't see, I don't, I, I want none of this. This is not what I'm about. Yeah. And so it's just like, ah, oh, the Oscars, they're, uh, there's giving in to this wave of populism, I guess. Um, and, uh, even more yeah. so than normal. And this is like a full on concession of like, we're just going to lower our standards a little bit, but so it's to keep it from the best picture winner, we're going to create its own little award over here. So we can get like, popular movies uh a little nod and then we can keep our mm-hmm. like our or i guess like people would just say like their stuffy films elsewhere but you look at their track record and it's not like these the movies that are win are particularly stuffy they certainly like to nominate movies because they're still pretentious as shit but like yeah. are we still going to get like you know eight nine movies for best picture and then we're going to have like just five mm-hmm. movies for the outstanding achievement in popular film category I think there's 10 what there's gonna be ten movies nominated under that? I think so. Yeah. So they're just they are just they haven't actually said that the writing anywhere, right? 
Like, so with this, uh, with this no. announcement, they said something about like, oh, we're going to have an earlier air date, so that this is going to show up on February 9th rather than rather than the end of February. Um, yeah. And we're going to make it. We're going to aim for three hours. Who gives a shit? No one watches your full broadcast because it's fucking boring, and no one cares about all the awards you give. No one cares about costume because people don't care. They're assholes. Mm-hmm. Um. People don't even care about supporting actors, really, unless they're, like, one of their people. They're, like, 90-year-old actors going to get that award. And they can be like, yeah, John Hurt or something like that. Who's dead? Unlike, John Hurt's un, not un, dead. Un, unlike Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas is dead. John Hurt's pretty alive, I think. No, he's dead. He was he, just in that Indiana Jones movie. He died. He died. He died. It was sad. Jarrett. Yeah. Jarrett. He is. He was in that Indiana Jones movie, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He is very what, much what year, alive. What year did that come out? <laughs> I don't know. Like a like a year ago. <sighs> anyway, hey, shut up, Jarrett. Hey, so yeah, the Oscars. Whatever. Go be you, Oscar. Um. You know any, yeah, you know, Oscars are dumb. They are dumb. I mean, Shape of Water, like, fuck. That, how that that movie is already. Yeah, I saw that friend already... of the show, Diedrich Bader. Uh, you know him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Twitter the other day, uh, he was like, "You know what? Shape of Water sucks." And I was like, "You tell him, Diedrich Bader. <laughs> I like that guy. He's cool. He laid it down, and he tells it like it is." What's that? What's the movie that um, Anthony Bourdain like took a shit on? Oh, Baby Driver. Baby driver, yeah. Fuck, fuck, baby driver. That was like one of his guess like, what? last messages. That and now, and now he's dead. Yeah, Edgar, well, you know, Edgar Wright got him too, and he's coming for you next, RJ. He already got me once. Leave me alone, Edgar Wright. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Yeah. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. Yeah. Whatever, baby don't, driver sucks. Don't post things online. Otherwise, it it was like it was like a genuine thing where it was like, hey, let's share our enjoyment of this thing together. And he was like, no, fuck you, you loser. And I was like, oh, oh, that's not what I thought you would respond like. Yeah. Fuck Edgar Wright. Nerd. Baby Driver sucks. I heard he's going to make a sequel to that shitty fucking movie. <laughs> well, the, the, the he hasn't told the whole story. Uh, uh. All right. Anyway, yeah. fuck it. Let's get into these uh these high octane action movies we're talking about. Okay. Um, and James Gunn still not been rehired. You know what I heard? The big word on the street is uh, Warner Brothers is swooping in to just uh take him away. Do you think that? Do you think he's spreading that word? Probably. But like, so what? I don't know. Disney seems pretty, pretty uh, stuck to what they're saying. They're like, we'll use his script, but uh, we're not gonna, uh, we're not gonna hire him back. There was that like really toothless statement issued by all the actors. It's like we stand with him, man. And it's like, all right, sure you do. Uh, and then Dave Batista was like, he's like, I'll do whatever I have to do. Yeah. But I'm not okay with this. And you're like, oh shit, Batista bombs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, those uh, those contracts are probably pretty scary, and they're like pretty tough to get out of. So I'm sure he would walk if he didn't, if he could. But yep. or people say things. People like to say it and go, well, you know, uh, legally, uh, I shouldn't do that. But you, you know what they should do? 
They could get uh, James Gunn over to DC uh, Warner Brothers, and he could do something like Doom Patrol, or uh, you know, I don't know anything else. What a random movie, <laughs> Doom Patrol. What, huh? Doom Patrol? Why not? Well, I don't know what if you okay if if you could have James Gunn do any DC property, what would it be? My uh, vote is for Doom Patrol. Uh, huh. I don't know, man. Shazam. <laughs> with all those kid jokes uh, i don't know yeah. well think about it come on this is I not i, I don't want to do i don't want to do this i don't want to fall down this this is like okay well then you want i just go into a field dressed in armor with that's made of foam and just do that instead as, as all the same relevance is like fan casting and fan booking shit that's well, gonna happen you, you brought it up big big guy actually i'm yeah. just laying it down for uh, you last night at a dinner uh uh, we were trying to figure out like the all the actors who've been claimed by superhero movies, uh, and it's just like man, yeah, like there's like you, they'll get like maybe like Twelve Years a Slave, and like mm-hmm. all the dudes in that are like superhero characters or supervillains. Uh, wasn't he like in something like covertly? He's like oh, he showed up in one like Kick Ass or something like that, or like, he's in some movie. He like and it's like but he's barely well, in it. Cages in Kick Ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Jim Carrey and stuff like that. But I thought Brad Pitt yeah. was like, wasn't Brad Pitt in like Deadpool or something? I don't know. I don't think so. I thought you watched Deadpool. I thought you were I Deadpool. did watch the first. He's not in that. He's in Deadpool 2. Yeah, there you go. Which I haven't seen. Okay. So, yeah, he's, way the, to he's ruin he's, the he's, movie. He's the van- yeah, he's the Vanisher. There you go. The Vanisher? Yeah. What is that? I don't know. That's what he is. So, he's like, they're all getting uh, claimed. Lupita Nyong'o is hasn't. Oh no, wait, she's been in. She was in Black Panther. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Scoop McNary? Oh yeah, he was in uh, BBS. <laughs> you see? Okay. Yeah. yeah no. Like, okay. Yeah. It, it, it gets. Paul Giamatti. He has rhino. also been in there. He's a rhino. Yeah, he was the rhino. <laughs> which I don't know if I've ever told you this. Go to Twitter. You can check. I uh, I made a Photoshop of Paul Giamatti as the rhino a year before it was announced. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. Go check it out. Uh-huh. Okay, all these other people I don't recognize, but let's go to the person after Brad Pitt. Michael, like for status, Michael Kenneth Williams. Oh, that's, uh, um, what's his name from The Wire? You know, they got the huge scar. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, God, what's his goddamn name in The Wire? Come on. Oh, that's so bad. Omar. Omar. Oh, well, apparently he was in The Incredible Hulk. Oh, <laughs> he can't escape. What? They can't escape, RJ. Hey, I, I don't All know if I ever told you, Chris, but I think that movie is not bad. So, like, I mean, you know that they want, like, Daniel Day-Lewis to be, like, Reed Richards? That's kind of like, like, they... <laughs> I, I heard John, your buddy John Krasinski is the front runner. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll even let him direct that, too. Yeah, and Emily Blunt will be the Invisible Woman, and then uh, they can get, I don't know, what's some guy with gigantism to play uh, the thing? <laughs> Has uh, Seymour... Uh... Philip Seymour Hoffman? No, he's dead, dude. <laughs> well, before he died, I think he, he avoided it. So l- luckily the grave saved us from a filthy Seymour Hoffman uh, movie, superhero movie. Yeah. Though he was in a Mission Impossible. Where is the rabbit's foot? <laughs> Where is the rabbit foot? Should we just do... Oh, he was in all those uh, Hunger Games movies, though. Oh. 
That's that, almost a superhero movie. You know, Christopher Walken, I think, has escaped. Uh, yeah, but he was in uh, Tim Burton's uh, Sleepy Hollow. Crane. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. See, now, now we've gone in, down an even oh, this, dark this, this, path this, this, of just this, naming this. actors in movies. Well, because it's like more like it's more. I think it's honestly more fun to name actors who haven't been in one of these fucking movies yet. Uh, okay, what about Tom Cruise? Well, see, he's the big fish, but it's like, will he ever work for uh, anyone but his, I his parents? I really doubt it because he tried one time with the Mummy two years ago, and we and we saw how that worked. Yep. So. But he was in uh, Austin Powers 3, which is pretty cool. There you go. You ever seen Austin Powers 3, Jarrett? I I have. Golden Ember? Yeah, what did you think about that movie? Uh, it sucked. It was bad. What did you really think about that movie, though? It sucked. It was real bad. Oh, Jarrett. God damn Jarrett, it. Jarrett, okay, Jarrett. I'm done. I'm, fin- I'm finished with this shit. Good. All right. Good. After the break... um. We're going to go sit on a park bench. What? And talk. At the camera? But off into space. Slightly stilted. podcast tonight we're talking about two films uh i guess involving carl theodore dreyer uh the first one directed by old dreyer uh gertrude from 1963 the synopsis here from letterboxd hopeless romantic gertrude inhabits a turn-of-the-century milieu of artists and musicians where she pursues an idealized notion of love that will always elude her she abandons her distinguished husband and embraces an affair with a young concert pianist who falls short of her desire for lasting affection. When an old lover returns to her life, fresh disappointments follow, and Gertrude must try to come to terms with reality. Uh, yeah. So, in some ways, RJ, I feel like we could have mm-hmm. recorded all of the Dreyer films in one episode. Uh, I fucking told you that before I, we did this. I know, and you're right. I'm going to give you this one here. Um, okay. We could have done good. it all in one go, but, uh-huh. I mean, when you look at that on paper, you go, boy, that's a lot of movies to watch in, like, a short period of time. 
And it's just like, you know what? We're we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give Dryer some some space. Let him breathe. Give us an opportunity to really like absorb and watch these movies mm-hmm. the way they're meant to be watched. Now, I had never seen Gertrude. Um, I never really like gone on my way to read much about it. It was always just kind of like, oh, I have to get around to watching that one day. I've got this DVD box set, and uh, I haven't watched the second half of it. So we'll mm-hmm. see them all up. That was another aspect too. Is like, well, I'm gonna be watching these like for the first time. So I didn't want to like overload myself by watching four movies in like two days. So yeah. we spread it out, and uh, I got to watch Gertrude for the very first time. My first note here is, huh. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. becomes very apparent, uh, that this is not for me. Uh, yeah. there is lots of characters talking while not looking at one another. And, uh, this talking is like at the camera, not at the, and talking no, at they're, the never, they're never talking at the camera though. Okay. So that's, that's very they're looking. They're, they're looking they're, off. It seems like when there's like moments where like it builds to like a, a dramatic mm-hmm. cres- a crescendo and like they talk directly at the camera when they're like actually looking at the other person. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like, they're always kind of moving in and out and there's like always somebody in the foreground and they're looking down, looking up, looking away at nothing in particular. While another character is like at their back, looking also longingly into the distance and they're just having mm-hmm. these conversations about things and that's the movie for two hours two full hours almost pretty it's much. like 150 or something yeah 156 um yeah man i don't know i don't know uh this this tell me how th- you really feel th- this this brought back uh flashbacks to la ventura that uh oh, a- that yeah. antioni <laughs> Um, as far as like, so I'm like, oh, is this, is this that ennui business I've been hearing about? Um, sweet. I was kind of like, so I, I definitely watched the first half hour of this movie. Like I, 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 I did watch it. And then what a mark of, uh, just like prestige. They should put that on the cover. I definitely watched the first half an hour of this. I definitely did. Cause I was like, okay, well, this is like one long extended sequence of mm-hmm. this lady, this Gertrude talking with like this guy who's got ambitions to be a politician or some shit and like be a minister. And he's like, you coming along for the ride? And she's like, I don't know. I just don't know about this. And there might be somebody else. And they're playing these games off of one another. And then like when she finally is like, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to sleep with another guy. And the guy's like, well, well, well why would you do that? Like, he's just all like, Whoa, that's not very ladylike. Uh, what about my feelings? Um, and you know, there's like a painting of like a naked chick in a, on a tapestry later on with a bunch mm-hmm. of dogs at her feet. And you're like, yeah, I get it. I get, I get the symbolism. I, I get it. It's like all mm-hmm. these dudes looking after this lady and she's got these impossible standards, just like letterbox informs us on the, the synopsis. But, uh, my other note here is I want to die. Um, in the movie or in I, real life? I, I wanted this. I wanted it to stop. I, this is okay. like absolutely not the type of movie i go into watch uh ponderous uh i've seen some people like throw some 
accolades this this movie's way about like it really doesn't start to come together to like the third or fourth or fifth time you watch it and you really start to appreciate the the film no. craft on display and the camera work and the performances film yeah exactly uh baked fresh from the the danish oven um of dryer's mind uh yeah man this, this is this yeah yeah i was just about to hand it off to you this okay. movie is not a good time I did not enjoy watching this. Um, this is like, as uh, our good friend and listener, longtime listener Oliver Granger pointed out uh, about at least he says this about Dreyer in general, but it's just like this is mm. some shit Bergman. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, the first two movies that's that's kind of unfair. It's it's harsh. I I, I like the first uh, two movies in this box set. I like that Ordet uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit, and I think Dave Rath's pretty good. This though. Who man, this, uh, I don't know who this is for. Yeah. Uh, so the, the one thing I'll, I'll just add to what you're saying before I take off is when you're, when people say stuff like, oh, it's not really until you watch it the fourth or fifth time, this bat, like this bullshit homework background stuff you have to do for movies it's it's total horseshit, man. It's the same reason I have a problem with 400 Blows and that infamous bad review we got as a podcast where the guy was like, if you have any, if you do your homework on the context of the scene when this oh. movie came out, and it's just like, that's not what a movie should be about. If I can't watch it one time and enjoy it, I'm never going to watch it fucking four times. Or it's like, if I have to look at about like the political climate of... 1930s France to enjoy like what 400 blows was or say Gertrude it's like if I have to watch Gertrude 14 fucking times to enjoy it you know what it's not a good okay. movie would you like to hear what a fairly popular online critic and a, a podcaster Peter Labuza had to say about this this is this is a sure. this is a four-star review okay he writes advanced studies for dryer Rigorous in mm. ways one doesn't even know how to particularly articulate. <laughs> Dreyer's choices of <laughs> when to edit and when to pan or move the camera at first seem defiantly baffling until it all starts to form a logic with the narrative. The film has both a simplicity, woman's idealized version of love will always fail her, and yet an intense complexity that it's hard to know where to begin. <laughs> Paintings are key here. Reflections of narrative all mainly Renaissance representational mm-hmm. art, save for that final one of the grotesque woman, her Dorian Gray. Compositions have an intense mm-hmm. stillness to them that registers almost beyond comprehension. Uh, Dan Salat pondered after the screening that only Dreyer would pull back the camera to end with not just the door, but the door and the table. Still an emotional gut punch once one has a handle on how to watch the film, especially that perfect two-shot of Gabriel relaying the story of the party to Gertrude, but certainly a film that requires multiple viewings to really even begin to build an understanding of everything that's happening here. Uh, I could continue. Um, no, I, I would prefer that you don't. Okay. I would prefer that you don't. There is talk of dissertations. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I have more to say about Gertrude. Yes. Uh, one thing is a, a candid memory. Um, I always used to call my first vehicle Gertrude. Yeah. Uh, like, you know how, uh, like, as Stephen King would say with Christine, you know, all good vehicles need a name. Um, I always thought Gertrude was really funny. 
like really funny name. I was like, why would anyone be named Gertrude? Because I was insensitive, insensitive to other cultures, but uh, I still think it's funny. Uh, it's the same uh, Gertrude and Beatrice. I think are really funny names. I like the milk. Yeah. So if there's anyone listening and your names are Gertrude or Beatrice, uh, you uh, you call me on my private line. You email in, and I'll give you my personal Snapchat. We'll uh, we'll talk sometime. Well, you could be like Gertie, Trixie. Don't rationalize these things, Jarrett. Gertrude and Beatrice. They're uh, they're quirky. They're fun. Yeah. So anyways, that was my personal history with Gertrude. So going into this, there was no way I was going to uh, appreciate it for what it was. Um, So with last week, we talked about those other movies. Uh, Day of Wrath, uh, I liked. Uh, it's, as you would put, front heavy or top heavy. And then the back end is a little uh, slow. Uh, Ordet, uh, I liked quite a bit more. Um, but neither of them, I think, were all-time bangers. Uh, Gertrude, I get into this thing. And this thing is so heavy-handed with what they're trying to do. Uh, like what you said, it's long long scenes of people staring off. And they're like they're doing their monologues. Uh, the very first thing I wrote was uh, so actorly. Yeah. Uh, this, this thing is so like... It's just like act. I, I can just picture John Lovett saying acting, acting, uh, acting, uh, watching this thing. Cause it's like the first scene, it's like Gertrude come here. And she like comes to the door and then pauses and then takes a step in and then pauses and then takes a step in and then pauses. It's just like, holy shit, this is not how people behave in real life. It's not normal human behavior. So there's like this weird actorly quality. And it's kind of like Broadway, like a play. I think that's yeah. what this is supposed to be as a play. But in a movie, it comes off so like stiff and it's like st- like stilted movements and the way that they deliver their their lines. It it doesn't come off like a movie and it seems it seems off like it's not natural. You know what I mean? J J dog. Yeah. No. So it is definitely based on a play. Uh, of, of the same same name by Hallmar Soderberg. Ex- who? Hallmar Hall, Soderberg. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the dude who wrote iRobot, right? Yeah, yes. That's uh, old uh, Isaac Asimov. Soderberg. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Well, what, is, uh, what, what else does Wikipedia here say? It's notable uh, for notable for its many long takes. One of which is nearly. A ten-minute take of Gertrude and her ex-lover Gabriel talking about their pasts. Okay, can sure, I? Sure is. Sure. Can is. I say something? Yeah. Uh, long takes aren't uh, the mark of good uh, filmmaking. Uh, I I can't stand when people say that it's like oh long takes like tracking shots these like long monologue scenes. It's amazing. It's it's incredible. Like I remember that's what a lot of people said about. Uh, like call me by your name and like shit like that. And it's like, those, that that's not marks of great filmmaking. It's like, that's just a really well acted scene or well directed scene. That doesn't mean your movie is good. So like this scene, if you had told me, like you just said that there was a 10 minute long scene, I had no idea. Cause for me, this whole movie was like four mm. scenes that were each like 20 minutes long without yeah. cuts. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. how it seemed to me. Like pretty, pretty close I, to that. I, I didn't pick up on that at all because the entire movie just felt like this long drawn out thing to me. So it's like, no, not long, long shots aren't always this thing that brings like elevates cinema. Mm-hmm. I don't know this, this whole movie. Um, 
it feels off to me for a lot of different reasons because even like the main plot or the themes to this movie, it's this like false dichotomy of like work versus love where they're like, Oh, for a man, it's only two things work or women, or it's like work or love. It's like, you cannot have both. You can only have Z woman or you can have Z love. Uh, that's not, uh, whatever Swedish or whatever Danish. That's not that language, but that's a fun language for me to do. So there's like this big play on that. And then it gets like, it gets really overbearing. I think halfway through this movie, we're like, fuck, I get it. It's like, I get it. This guy can either have a job or he can have his life, uh, his wife, which I don't think is necessarily true. There's a lot of people out there in the world that are like that. Uh, like what I talked about in the preamble, which was a very fitting movie, that Netflix movie that I talked about where it's work and love. So, there's a lot of people out there like that, but I think mostly it just comes down to like selfishness and people who don't want to do that. So I don't really buy it in this movie, especially because it's like she has two guys that are so about work where you have. Oh, so it's one guy who's the guy she's currently married to who's all work until she leaves. And then he realizes you have the old lover who was all work and then she left him and now he wants her back and realizes that love is more important. And then you have the young guy who is all love, I guess, but with uh, everyone. So like you, they give you three different stages of these things, but I don't think it's, I don't think it should be as rigid as it's like, it's one or the other. These are your three types of guys. You have like Shit. the work guys, the love guys, or what? Mm. What are you talking about? Oh, over man. There? I'm just giving some on the reception of this movie. Um, okay, so this movie, like, it's it's divisive. Some people okay. love it. Some people boo it. This movie apparently has had many a screenings of people booing. Uh, then yeah. other, but then it's also had standing ovations. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, you know what I always feel like in those situations. But here's a okay. Continue. Uh, I was gonna say I think the negative responses are a lot more genuine. Where the when you get an audience that just fucking hates a movie, you're like, okay. Then you get an audience that's like really into it and standing and clapping. It's like I wonder if those guys are just doing it to do it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, here, an article in Cinema sixty five wrote that Dreyer has gone from serenity to senility. Not a film, but a two-hour study of sofas and pianos. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, there's a whole lot of that going on in parks. Yeah, honestly, like they 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 try they try to reach for a lot of stuff where it's like love, free will, erotic ideas, like human behavior. But I don't I don't think there's ever an example of any of those that seems real. So. This movie's like it reaches a lot for stuff, but it just doesn't feel doesn't feel like a real movie, man, or like real life for that for that matter. Like, yeah, man, man, yeah. This Gertrude, Gertrude, nope. Yeah, uh, this movie also has the fakest messy room I've ever seen. Yeah, there's like a scene where the lady's like, "Oh, I went to tidy up, and I stumbled across like your dark secrets," and she's like tidying up. And there's like just stuff in places of the room. And the worst one I saw was there's a, a chair with two books on it and she picks them up and like puts them back on the desk. It's like in what situation is a guy ever going to have two fucking books out like on a chair? 
he's not like a scholar or anything like that. He was just reading two different fiction books at the same time. <laughs> what is this? He's must be this a, a horse shit. Must be a genius. Anyways, yeah, Gertrude's uh, Gertrude's a little weird, man. Yeah, Gertrude's a little weird. Got a yeah, not a not a fan here. Uh, this movie, because uh, I'm just bringing it up so that this isn't a five minute episode. Uh, there's another scene in this movie where uh, when the young lover sees her leaving and he waves at her and uh, you people listening can't see, but his like arm is straight up, but the hand is pointing down. And he kind of just like jingles it like side <laughs> to side. It's like, who, who? that's not how people wave that. But that's a description for this movie in general. It's like, that's not how people wave. And this movie isn't how people act. This yeah. is very unnatural. This whole thing. Yeah, it's this whole thing is very unnatural. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Gertrude's a weird, bad movie. And uh, you heard it here first. I think longtime listener. Uh, Oliver uh, Granger might have been right. Maybe this dryer guy uh, isn't all that. Well, I will note that he, uh, he Oliver, did uh, rate this as twice as good while still not being good as Cries and Whispers, which I feel uh, is a... That's a little much, but, uh, (laughs) you know, depends on the day. You know, I've had bad days, too, Mm -hmm. where I rate things the way they are. So, anyways, Gertrude. Yeah. 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 Hard pass yeah. for me. Uh, yep. And then after that, we got to watch a documentary about which yes, is we did. yeah. It's this. This is a spine number in the Criterion Collection. Uh, it is one one twenty one twenty eight. Uh, this is because uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer, my meter from nineteen ninety five. Uh, the synopsis from Letterboxd. Torben Scott Jensen's elegant documentary is a collage of memories and reflections on one of cinema's greatest directors. Visually rich and densely layered, Carl Theodore Dreyer, my meter, illuminates an artist too little understood and too important to overlook. Through interviews, historical writings, and rare archival footage, a portrait of Dreyer emerges, an austere perfectionist, yes, but also a passionate man possessing a genuine sense of humor. Is this a synopsis? Yeah. Jesus, that's long. Yeah, it's a real, real back patter. All right, well, you hit me with what you think of this Carl T.H. Dreyer, my meat here. My meat here. So uh, my description of this is this is a very 90s about a director documentary uh, with high contrast atmospheric black and white footage with voiceover over top. Um, mm-hmm. It's, of course, like the big question here is going to be, why is this in the Criterion Collection? Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. This is a special feature uh, made with given the prominence of a spine number to f- round out a box set. Mm-hmm. Is kind of But like, they already had three, though. They didn't really need a fourth. Yeah, I don't know. Early decision making, I guess, in their world. Mm-hmm. Why not throw it that way? And, uh, yeah, this thing is like not even in the running for like great documentaries on a director, or um, even good, or even good. I don't know. Did, did you watch uh, the first half an hour of this for sure? Or... I, I, I did watch this. Um, okay. I don't know. This is just like you. This is for people 
who really want to like I guess like maybe get some anecdotes like this type of filmmaking is like past like we don't like these don't exist like I don't I know you don't watch special features on these uh, DVDs I used to and like I I know for I know you don't come on and uh, oh, I, I, I say no I don't I know so that this is what these are like though and these this is very much of the era this mm-hmm. is like this was a I think made for television documentary. And uh, just just being like, hey, look at this guy. He's great. And it feels exactly like all these documentaries I've seen in my past, uh, watching special features when I had time. Like, I don't even watch movies now, and let alone watching documentaries about people make movies, especially if it's like, I don't want to go that extra mile and like have to find out how he was an orphan and he was treated meanly by his foster parents and said, you have to go work. And then like, oh, I had to, I had to go work at a fucking film studio and make movies <laughs> when I was like, 14 it's like or you like what the like oh man it's like that'd be fucking amazing that's like the dream yeah. job now but like obviously different times right like this that was back when it was just mm-hmm. a job not like let's go work at the dream factory where rainbows mm-hmm. come um, wow yeah there it is yeah so from a production standpoint uh this got some of that electronic orchestra score going on that's like straight out mm-hmm. of a Charles Band movie and it Ooh. it's uh it's some real Richard Band uh going on and it sucks mm-hmm. i hate this score like i electronic orchestra stuff always sounds bad unless it is uh ELO uh, this is this is not yellow this is just like uh this sounds just as fine as like having like we we can't afford like an orchestra to come in but we can uh i can have a whole like 80 piece uh, orchestra here in my laptop and it sounds Mm -hmm. like but but uh we didn't realize that but they should have what does it sound like but nice b-u-t-t um yeah so i just have issues with this sort of packaging of a documentary it's like I would have gotten more information and would have taken less time for me to read a good essay about Dreyer if I were so inclined mm-hmm. to do that and get into it. Um, this is some weak stuff. Uh, I mean, okay, so I've got some, maybe not rules, but like I like documentary filmmaking a lot. I like, I actually okay. do really love documentary. Um, so this is, it fails on a number of levels. First of all, like usually like great documentaries they have like engaging characters or like like mm-hmm. like a lot of like engaging stories you have like something that organically happens while making a documentary now when you're making a documentary about a man that's been dead for decades it's kind of hard to like you won't believe the twist that he's alive or like this this happened or like mm-hmm. his house burnt down like i just watched a, a couple of weeks ago a documentary on joe sarno and he dies near the end of that documentary, but he's alive. And there's like, you're, you get to know these characters and it's like, Oh, this, like, this is really sweet couple of like a guy who's essentially a pornographer. Um, and you get to like hang out with them and they're like, these people seem really sweet. Uh, and this, it's just like, it's so after the fact. And one of the, like the least favorite people of mine in this world are actors. I hate actors and the way they talk mm-hmm. because they're always on. But once they have like once the camera's on, they're on, and they they start going through these stories and like I don't know. It always boils down to uh, I don't know. Everything's stock in this. We made a movie. He was a genius. Yeah. It was great. 
people still talk to me about it. They come up to me and they say, wow, I loved you in that. And it's just like, what an experience. I can't believe you did this. And, or they say, sometimes he was a real control freak. It's just like the, like Mad Libs of documentaries about filmmakers, uh, made in Mm -hmm. like the nineties. Well, especially after a director's dead. Cause there's like, then you have like, well, we'll have a guy read quotes from his like diary or from his anecdotes and stuff like that. And it's just like, this is all this is once again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's my rant about <laughs> my meter. Uh, this was like coming right off of uh, Gertrude and being like, well, let's see what this is in store. Oh, yeah, this is exactly just a like documentary and not even like a good example of documentary filmmaking about uh, a director who made like one of the greatest movies of all time and made a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other movies, but uh, it just it doesn't. It doesn't come together. It's like maybe sometimes like subjects don't need documentaries. Maybe that's yep. that's a callous thing to say, but uh, sometimes you look at the thing you made and you're like, yeah, you put a lot of effort into something that like at the end of the day is still just not that interesting, I guess. Beyond mm-hmm. it's, it's a doc, mm-hmm. it's a document, an assemblage, a collage of memories and reflections on one of cinema's greatest directors. <laughs> but yeah, here, RJ, what what the fuck did you think of this thing? I think this thing fails on many different fronts. Uh, the first, I couldn't agree with you more that uh, this is a bonus feature. This isn't a full spine. And uh, we've talked about these things before where I think I've given my criteria for what I think a Criterion movie should be. There's three different types. And there, I've only ever dropped these a few times on movies that I feel like really don't belong in here. And uh, this is one that I uh, I feel the same way with. It's like, this doesn't really need to be here for any reason. Uh, I know why they put it in here. Like you said, early days decision-making. Box they were just set. Box set. But it's like, it didn't need to be a spine number. It could have just been a bonus feature. And if it was, you know what? Maybe we would have did this episode as three movies. And maybe you would have watched this on the side and you would have been like, oh, yeah, it was OK. It was just a little bit more about yeah. these uh, movies. But now that we have to do it as an official spine number, it's just like eh. it's like uh, this is just it doesn't need to be here. It shouldn't be here. And it's just it was just a waste of time. Mostly. So, I mean, so this is the, and that isn't like, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not the, trying to be like in the critical for, in, about in, in it. Terms, yeah. Just, in terms of like the format of what we're doing, yeah. this is like the one where you're just like, Ooh, it's kind of like the, I mean, it makes me think of the uh, WC Field six short films kind of thing where it doesn't fit the parameters of like how we do our show, which is like, I guess, more of an issue for our show than it is for the film itself as like a thing that is like been uh, inducted into the Criterion Collection. Yeah. But like it's not I don't think it's um, an issue for the show, though, as it is for their spine numbering, because regardless of the show, there are people who do watch these in spine order, like a couple of the fans and friends of the show. They're watching them in spine order. So like if they like uh, like friend of the show, Oliver was saying he's a completionist. So he's trying to watch them in actual order. So when it came to this one, he's like, I don't even know how to get this movie. It's like it's not available on any online means. So like how the fuck am I supposed to watch it? Mm-hmm. And the the hard part of it is like you probably don't need to. Pretty much. Like, 
like we're doing it because we're trying to stick to a thing here but at the same time it's like no no you you don't really need to watch this and, and luckily i own it <laughs> like yeah because if you hadn't owned it i don't know if i would have watched this well, but... I, I guess i would have uh interlibrary loaned it and uh we might have mm-hmm. yeah dealt with we all dealt with it but we would have dealt with it in one way but mm. yeah so Anyways, regardless of how much I fundamentally disagree with the inclusion in the Criterion Collection for this yeah. movie. Excuse me, one second. I just coughed real rank, but I, uh, I muted the f- microphone. That's interesting. I didn't know we had a mute function. Oh, yeah, I only just discovered it. Uh, go back to Nanook of the North. There was no mute at that time. <laughs> there is no mute. Uh, anyways, so regardless of what I think about this movie... As a documentary, it is pretty – I've said this already once tonight, but I I feel like it's a good way to summarize things. It's pretty toothless. Uh, It is just actors talking about this guy. It's like, oh, he was great. He was a super – he was a genius, and uh, he was a nice dude too. He did some crazy stuff, sure, but, you know, uh, he was a real nice guy. And uh, he worked real hard, and uh, he made some good movies. And that's pretty much this entire thing. You do get a little bit into some of his movies, but what it mostly amounts to is actual just footage from those movies. You get a little bit of Jonah Arc, you get a little bit of Day Wrath, you get a little bit of Ordet, and it's just stock footage, or not stock footage, it's just footage from those movies where they'll show a little clip, and then it'll go to the actor, and it's like, yeah, so I was doing this thing, and, uh, you know, uh, the guy was like, or Carl was like, you should talk like this guy. He's a funny talking guy. You should you should talk like him. Yeah. And uh, like because Carl is pretty Fonzie. And that's this whole thing. And then there's a narrator, which I couldn't tell if it was words that Carl Theodore Dreyer had said or not, because they would always put his face on there. But the narrating seems really out of place for this. Like, it doesn't seem like they're talking about anything related to what's going on in his movies or what's even on screen so the narrator's off the actors they don't really say anything they're just like oh yeah cool dude uh and then you get some stories about like the filmmaking which i think are infinitely more interesting than anything presented in this documentary about dryer like the one about joan of arc uh about the actress yeah. where it's like yeah so she uh she went she moved to buenos aires she lost all her money in a casino she converted to buddhism and then uh, she disappeared no one's ever seen her since then and it's like oh shit it's like that's an interesting story i hope they talk about that more and then it's like no that's it yeah and you're like oh Okay, and then they talk about Day of Wrath, and it's like, oh, yeah, uh, so we tied that old woman to a cross, and uh, we went for lunch, and, you know, we were like, hey, uh, Carl, you want to bring this old lady down from the cross for lunch? And he's like, no, no, we we leave her on cross, and you're like, oh, and they were just talking, he's like, oh, well, we didn't agree with it, but man, did it come through in the film. Man, could you tell she was stressed out? (laughs) And it's like, all right, so... It's okay. It's like it's not like that drastic of stuff, but at the same it's not like things you hear now about directors or say even like Kubrick where he would like uh was it uh Shel- Miss Shelley it Duvall. Shelley, yeah. Shelley Duvall where he would just scream and scream at her all like all the time to make her just feel like shit and then uh you know she's not doing too good right now. Uh but oh that it, performance it really that performance. it really comes out on the screen. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's it's like <laughs> stories like that. They're not none of them are that extreme because some of them are base like borderline. Like, yeah, Carl was like, I asked him, could I do this? And he was like, sure, I don't care. And, you know, he's a great director for that because he really listened to me. And it's like, fuck, it's like this isn't interesting, you guys. Yeah. These are not good stories. Like, cause that, that, that's like what a bunch of those stories are. And you're like, well, well all right. And, and this is like the, this is how stories were told. This is how, like, this is the format of the nineties. And, uh, I get it, but, I, it, but it doesn't age well at all. Like, it's just kind of like, yeah, here we yeah. are. Well, look at our other nineties movies that have awesome storytelling. Uh, chasing Con, Amy. Con Air. Con Air. Ooh, Con Air is good though. Men in Black. Men in Black, yeah. All all the uh, creeps approved movies that uh, face off. <laughs> ooh, see, great '90s <laughs> flicks. Yep. Anyways, uh, one thing I thought was funny in uh, this documentary is when uh, Dreyer is talking about Dave Rath, and he's like, "Yeah, the press didn't like it or something." He's like, "They said it was uh, they didn't like the rhythm. It was too heavy, too slow." And I was like, "Hey, that's more or less what we said about that movie. Mm-hmm. It was." front heavy and then it was too slow but yeah this documentary is not much yeah it's a thing that's there so so there you have it man this should have been one episode but uh <laughs> you know here we are talking about gertrude and me my meteor meteor yeah so yeah hey rj what who who hates gertrude uh i would think maybe a lot of people but i don't know it's a weird movie okay half a star vargis egan yeah Mm -hmm. yeah gave me a massive migraine dryer's final film is like watching paint dry tedious is an understatement Mm. boom vargis uh likes raging bull and old boy yeah you must have some uh family issues yeah uh Kiss Boy, half a star. <laughs> the only thing this movie values more than seeing how far up its own arse it can get is being mm-hmm. endless. If you want to do a play, do the play and do it well. If you want to make a movie, make the movie and make it well. This contrary piece of cinematic tranquilizer instead went, I'll make a movie play and make it shitty. <laughs> mm. uh, I kind of agree with the play stuff. Um this kissy boy is all over the map. They got Fellowship of the Rings in their favorite films, which I agree with wholeheartedly. But they also have Shape of Water in there, which mm. I disagree with yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that play thing, it recalls uh, the magic flute for me, the the, the stinker yeah. in the Bergman Empire. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Fe- feeding Brett, uh, one and a half star for Gertrude. The romantic aches and reaches, or sorry, this is yeah, sorry, Gertrude. What am I doing? Yeah, yeah. The romantic yeah, yeah. aches and reaches of Gertrude's heart churns along as I sat patiently, waiting for something to arrive to lock myself in and embrace its themes. Unfortunately, it crumbles in the off-putting pacing that recalls his previous films, but here lacks the equal impact of its content, leaving an impression that pleads me to alienate from it. There is no doubt that what is presented in front of me is a familiar fragment of Dreyer's filmmaking, as all the trademarks are present, but it feels to be his most dispassionate, while also his most indulgent, as characters stare upon 
blank off-screen spaces simulating a processing mm. mind, but instead depicting upon a disinterested reflection of its viewing audience. It left me restless and anxious for it to reach its eventual end. The wait was overbearing, and I wished upon for it to arrive sooner. So this feeding, Brett. Jarrett? Yo. Uh, one of their favorite films is The Passion of uh, Jean d'Arc. Mm. Uh, so they are a dryer fan. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I think this could be a future friend of the show. They got some Criterion lists. They watch a lot of Criterion films. Yeah. They're from Australia. We're Whoa. we're big in Australia. We are. Yeah, in uh, those Australia, Africa, New Zealand continents. Not continents. So. So for uh, for my meteor, uh, there's yeah. not like any particular hate because like very few people, like 226 here, have watched it. Uh, mm-hmm. The lowest rating is three stars. Okay. Um, <laughs> Matthew Roberts, frankly, awfully filmed interviews and too brisk a pace for the narration, skipping yes. over some silent works in their entirety, occasionally suffering from being too surface level. What makes this documentary most worthwhile are the extracts from Dreyer's own diaries. His writings, clearly expressing his own thoughts, attitudes, perceptions, are invaluable. Uh, the glowing entry, one of hope and love for life, film, is a wonderful and optimistic passage mm-hmm. that really touches my heart. Perhaps best watched for the most casual or beginner fans of Dreyer, given his difficult reputation. I don't know about that. It works very well at painting a mm-hmm. much more rounded portrait of the filmmaker and his ideas in much more understanding words than a number of essays are going to do. So, uh, yeah, I disagree with that. <laughs> I think you can learn a lot more from reading uh, than this documentary. Yep, I agree with that too. You, you could cover a lot more ground in an hour and a half reading uh, than uh, watching this. Yeah, this is a big Criterion guy. Got a lot of Criterions in there. Yeah, in I, think the, I think the only people digging into this are going to be Criterion people. Yeah, uh, but uh, this person also has a Stanley Kubrick ratings lists, and they have Lolita at number four over The Shining, over Barry Lyndon, over 2001, over Full Metal Jacket. Hmm. And, you know, I just can't jive with that because I don't think Lolita is that great. So uh, there you go. We have Russman, a little dry, three stars. Uh, we have uh, wow. uh, another uh, Criterion type, uh, Ben DeBono. I'm a little baffled as to why Criterion gave this its own spine number in the collection. It's really nothing more than a series of behind-the-scenes features on Dreyer's more famous films. There's some great information here, and I love the quotes from Dreyer himself. But as a full-on documentary on his work, it fell short. Yep. That's, I think, about it. And I think three stars is pretty generous because I don't even think this is, like, even, like, an average documentary. This is nope. not not a good documentary. Nope. Yeah. I agree with you, Jay. Wow. Here we are. Yes. Consensus reached. Here we are. Yeah. That's all I got to say, RJ. Well, there you go. Done. Um, after the break, we will continue staring off into... Blankness. Something? No. Anything? And abusing our actors for our art. Could have been better, I guess. Should have beat them harder and maybe they would have got a better performance.
So, uh, RJ, what's, what's the dryer scorecard look like right now? We it's got like two out of five. Well, I guess the documentary doesn't count two out of four. He's batting 500. Dave, Dave Rath's that far down for you? No, Dave Rath isn't that. Like, I think Dave Rath is fine. Oh, it's like uh, a 2111. 2111, the 211. Like two, that rap song? Yeah, and then we got uh, well, we got a couple more coming down one of these days. We got that Vampire. We, we got Vampire and Master of the House. One of his uh, old silent films. That's a long, long ways from now. What is Master of the House about? I don't even know. I've got the Blu-ray of it. I've never watched it. Hmm. Sounds fishy. Yeah. Yeah. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about what you think's fishy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We're on uh, Twitter. We're on Patreon. Give us that cold, hard cash. Mm-hmm. We've got a YouTube page. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, subscribe. Rate us. Rate us. Um, yeah. Rate us. Yeah. Rate. Please. And next week, we're going to the big house and then trying <laughs> to break out as we're watching Le Trois. Le True? Directed Le Trow. Directed by Jacques Beckers from 1960. Uh, hey, I love prison movies, so yay. This sounds cool. I've had this uh, on my uh, desktop here for a long, long time. And what been, do you mean on your desktop? I, I've, I've been waiting to watch it for a long time, RJ. Saving it You're, up. Uh, uh- You've had a physical copy that you purchased legally sitting on my, the, the top of the your top desk. top of my desk, exactly. Yeah, this, I hey, understand. Just, like the Carl Theodore Dreyer collection, Latrow Le- is also out of print. Really? Yep. How am I going to watch it? Well, um, I guess you're going to have to get that copy from off my desk top. Right. Interesting, if true. That's right. So join us next week, and uh, hopefully we turn this ship around because this week was a bust. Yeah, like many weeks <laughs> that I spend talking to Jared Duncan. Yeah. Well, fuck you. Well, whatever. You had it coming. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>